1: Breaking news, Terry Rozier, he'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good!
0: Terry Rozier! Lamb the fire! oh,
1: Some frequent flyer All right, what's up everyone? And welcome in to another BuzzBeat, your favorite Charlotte Hornets podcast. You can follow us at Pod on Twitter and find our episodes on Apple Podcast and Spotify. This is Richie, and I'll be joined by Spencer today. Spencer, Happy New Year. How is everything going? I'm, I'm assuming work has died down a little bit for you. I know you said it was pretty busy towards the end of the uh, the calendar year.
0: Yeah, Happy New Year. Um, yeah, it has died down a little bit. You know, it's always, every single year, you, know, you get two weeks off for Christmas, because I've worked at a school like you, Richie, ever since I graduated college. I'm on the admin side you're on you're on the teaching side but you always get this long break and i just have i have an awful time getting back into like the swing of work and the schedule like i'm not good with change so yesterday was rough because uh i took actually (laughs) last thursday and friday off um just to kind of uh complete the complete the christmas break and then so yesterday was my first day back monday so that was a rough day but today felt a little better um and it's a new year got some new year's re- resolutions we're going to try to implement uh, so yeah feeling refreshed and, and ready to go here you do new year's resolutions i mean i never do
1: them just because i know that i'll never follow up with them like i i i've kind of learned that over the years i just never do them i mean i what, what are some of your new year's resolutions
0: well i i don't traditionally um but this year i i had a few that i that i thought i need to probably take seriously i, I mean like when i lived in richmond i had I was lucky. I got to play like pickup hoops three times a week, uh, three times a week. I had a great group to play with. Like I didn't have to run or lift weights or do any of that crap you have to do, like motivate yourself to work out. I used to just play pickup hoops and I was in phenomenal shape. And then we moved to North Carolina and all that just went away and I wasn't prepared for it. And I wasn't, you know, I didn't motivate myself to work out and stay in shape. So I'm not necessarily way out of shape right now, but but yeah, I've noticed a difference in a year being in North Carolina, and I got to get on the workout train again.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, sometimes that's married life, too, and just being so busy with everything. So uh, on today's episode, guys, we're going to get into some of your questions from Twitter towards the end of the episode. But we're also going to look at some of the more recent trends with these uh, Charlotte Hornets here. Uh, just to recap so far, in the year of 2020, the Hornets have a 2-1 and record, uh, having beaten the Cavaliers and the Mavericks, which was a very impressive Road win for the Hornets there, but also in their most recent game, the Hornets lost to the Pistons on Monday night. The Hornets on the season now have a record of 15 and 24 and are still in ninth place in the East, uh, above the Bulls, above the Pistons, but we are three games behind. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, if, if that's something that you're trying to achieve. Um, Spencer, not sure I really want to talk specifically about these games and kind of break them down uh, on a game-to-game basis, but just talk about some overall trends, especially uh, in the Mavericks game, which was very impressive, but also the Pacers game, uh, which we lost 115-104. to I think where I first want to start is Devontae Graham, and, and noticing that even though he is in a little mini shooting slump, even though he he performed a little bit better uh, with the Pacers game on Monday night, uh, he's still impacting the game Uh, in uh, other ways here. Uh, The last six games for Devontae Graham, I know that seems like an arbitrary number, but I did the last five games uh, prior to the Pacers game, and I realized I needed to include the Pacers game here. So the last six games, uh, his field goal percentage is down 3% at 35%, which is not that great to begin with an overall average for the season, Uh, but the three-point percentage is down 9% over the last six games, and he's shooting just 30% from behind the arc. But saying that, he has still affected the game in so many ways his assists have been up over the last handful of games and that's really something that's always been there with Devonte graham win or lose uh whether we win by 10 lose by 10 whatever it may be he is making you know, unbelievable passes uh just some of the passes that he makes are just so unreal and, and getting others involved uh, in the dallas game specifically he had a two hand overhand pass uh in transition to pj washington Uh, The Pacers game, he had a a couple of nice passes as well, and even some of the passes that that are not recorded as assists. Like you know, you can't just go to NBA.com and look at those assists. You know, pull up those videos. Uh, You got to watch these games and just some of the passes that he makes. I made a note of it in the Pacers game. It did not end up in a bucket, but he was driving full speed, made a pocket pass to Cody, and and uh, I think Zeller missed a shot or was blocked or whatever. But uh, just some of the ways that he's affecting the game. And when he's off the court, it's very Kimball-like. Like, Like the the difference between him on the court and off the court and just some of the numbers that we have here uh, with Devontae, it's pretty jarring, pretty jarring. So Devontae Graham, even though he's in a mini shooting slump here, and it seems like that hot start that he's had has clearly cooled off a little bit, uh, Devontae's still still impacting uh, this Hornets team, Spencer.
0: Yeah, he is. I mean, you know, I I went and looked at some of his advanced numbers earlier in, in the past 10 games. I think that's... A good chunk sample of of when teams have really switched up their defensive coverage against him. I mean, his assist percentage is up, his turnovers are down. Um, You know, I I just think Devonte's doing a really good job, Richie. Of just like taking what the defense is giving him, and uh, you know, he's a a shorter player. He can't make passes over the top like a like a Luka Doncic, right? When when a team teams run an extra defender at him, so he does have to make that pocket pass to a rolling Cody Zeller or you know, whoever it might be, uh, and just keep the offense moving. So, you know, that is something I think he's done a good job of. And Devontae's also not, you know, he's not an explosive athlete. He can't, you know, just run right at the hip of that of that help defender, that blitzing defender, um, and get around the corner and make a play that way for himself. You know, he really does have to just take the pass that's available. I think he's done a nice job of that. But, yeah, I mean, his understanding of where people are on the floor uh, is – It's really second to none, you know, he's just he's got some athletic uh, deficiencies and and some physical deficiencies that he just can't overcome because he's a shorter, uh, less athletic player. But, you know, he's clearly is like what he's been able to do in terms of efficiency, keeping the offense moving as teams have switched up their coverage on him. Is really impressive and just speaks to his IQ. And this is something we recognized last year, right? I mean, his, his turnover numbers are down, his assist numbers are high. Is one of the best assist to turn, turnover ratio guy really in the league again this year? And considering how much of a workload he's taken on from last year, it's really impressive. Um, but the shooting numbers, I mean, the last ten, they're concerning. I mean, they really are. You, right. you, you have to shine a light on him restricted area. He's under forty-eight uh, percent. I mean, in the paint but not in the restricted area i mean he's taken 22 only made four from there mid-range 25 percent uh corner threes really hadn't taken that many only nine over the past 10 games and then the above the break attempts is really where you say all right where well, this is where this guy makes a living yeah he, he's still trying to make a living there he's still gotten up 92 above the break threes in the last 10 games but only making uh only making those at a 33rd. 33 percent clip so i mean everything is down everything ar- across the whole board uh and his effective field goal percentage is about 43 percent over the last 10 as well so you know offensively it, it really is a struggle for him to, sh- to shoot the ball right now uh still getting to the free throw line at the same rate which has been impressive for him this year but it's really just Devonte's iq that's keeping him afloat right now um you would the one area that he's got to improve in is that mid-range jump shot. Right. Um, you know, getting to the rim in the paint, learning how to make that floater, learning how to get guys on you know in the air, off their feet, going into their bodies, drawing those fouls. So you know that that middle game is where he's really got to improve because the whole league is clued in on how dangerous he is coming off the of pick and roll and, and taking a um, you know pull up three. It's
1: almost like when he comes off that pick and roll uh, and teams force him inside the three-point line and he's weaving and snaking you know, back and forth, he's not fully confident of himself as to what he wants to do, whether it's getting all the way to the basket, whether it's pulling up for mid-range or trying to get to the floater game. Uh, one one of those things has got to be a plus or an advantage for him because he can't just be a guy that, that pulls up from behind the arc because teams are as we've seen are starting to play him a little bit differently uh but i think it says a lot about Devontae, and you kind of mentioned this you know just his high iq and and just impacting the game mavericks game specifically you know this team played very very well in the first half they held the nba's top offense to just 44 points at halftime Uh, but they almost blew this game in the third quarter where the turnovers started to pile up and i think that's always seems to plague this team. The turnovers, when that goes wrong, th- this team just goes wrong. Um, you know, they, they just can't they can't win uh, when they turn the ball over. But anyway, towards the end of the game, like PJ Washington and, and Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, you know, it says a lot about them in the clutch time situations to have a lead blown, and he still shows up in clutch time with uh, Devontae Graham. It feels like even if Devontae Graham has an off-night shooting, Somehow he makes an impact late in the game, and I think we saw that in uh, the Mavericks game
0: Yeah, no, I I mean I agree and look the Hornets have been one of the better clutch teams in the league as crazy as that sounds this year But Devontae Graham is absolutely a player who's not scared of the moment not scared of the big shot And and we've seen that especially during this struggle this offensive struggle I guarantee you if you went and looked at his fourth quarter numbers They would tell you a totally different story than what you know this overall sample recently has I mean he's that kind of guy so but you know, going back to your point about him, you know, coming off that pick and roll, if, if there's a you know a really good on ball you know def- feisty defender, teams will still kind of let that center sit low and just chase Devontae over the screen, knowing he really can't get into his shot. And you're right, when he gets into that middle area where he's got a guy on his hip and he's got the de- you know the the drop defender in front of him, he is a little indecisive. You know, he doesn't want to take that that mid range jump shot. A few games ago, and, and now I, I'm not remembering which one it was. In the same quarter, you know, the team defended him the same way. They they had the uh, aggressive on-ball defender roll, you know, chase him around, ball screen, stay right on his hip, and he was just kind of walking into that mid-range jump shot, hit a few in a row, and I thought, look, if if teams are going to give Devonte this because there is an aggressive on-ball defender, he needs to take it more often because he's got to find more ways to score. Other than just the above the break, I'm going to walk into this this three-point shot. It's just not going to—he's not going to make a career out of that. You know, he's got to learn something else. So, you know, I think it is okay for him to say, hey, if, if a mid-range jump shot is open, I need to take it. Yeah, right? I think Borrego stresses
1: the fact that they're trying to eliminate the mid-range. But to me, I'm okay with the occasional pull-up mid-range, especially, like you said, if that's what they give him. You know, I don't fully trust him going to the rim and, and the floater area either. I feel like I would trust him a little bit more in that pull-up mid-range area, you know, not having to go up against the center or power forward towards the rim. Um, I mean, wouldn't you say the same? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, I, I think he has things that he can still learn, you know, going to the rim. And we saw Kimball, it was really a struggle for him going to the rim early in his career. And then Kimball learned how to use his body and keep the defender you know, use his body as almost a defender between him and the rim and get so far under the rim and use his arms to spin that ball from up under, you know, around, uh, you know, off the glass and into the into the basket. And he, he drew a lot of fouls that way too. So, you know, if Devontae can learn uh, how to use his body better when he gets into traffic and, and use defenders' uh, gravity, if you will, against them, you know, I think he can become more efficient in that area. But, it, but it's very obvious that there's just not um he doesn't have a, a one move to go to he doesn't have a a, a well developed skill set in that area right now he's just uncomfortable in traffic if there's not an open shooter that he can fling it out to uh but look i mean if he's got a little bit of breathing room coming off the pick and roll where he can't get into his shot, but he can somewhat survey the floor, he's always going to make the right pass, whether that be to the opposite corner or just swinging it back to the top uh, to hit Miles, who might be, you know, spring towards the rim. I mean, he's always going to make the right play. It's just. You know, when Devon, it's just making those reads. Drop defender hard on ball, you know, on ball, guy right on my hip. Uh, You know, defenders blitzing me or or trapping me. Now, where's the next pass if it's not just the role man DeZeller or Biz? You know, it's it's learning how to make those reads quicker because you're right. Right now, he is just a little indecisive with all these different looks that he's been getting.
1: Regardless, uh, with his shooting slump, the Hornets play way better with him on the court. So even if his numbers dip a little bit, uh, the offense as a whole – Plays better, they score the ball better, they turn the ball over less. Uh, i looked look this up. When Devontae is on the court, the Hornets score 17 more points per 100 possessions compared to when he's off the court. Uh, per cleaning the glass, that's in the 100th percentile. So that's just crazy to me. Very Kimba-like numbers. Not saying that Devontae is Kimba, but just the difference between him on the court and off the court and making an impact on the game. Uh, let's transition to Dwayne Bacon. Uh, he has played in about 25 minutes or so the last couple of games. He actually was the first off the bench for these past three straight games that we mentioned, Cleveland, Dallas, and the Pacers. I feel like he hasn't been that great. I mean, I feel like he's been solid. He's played with uh, a physicality and and shot the ball relatively well from behind the arc. I've, I've kind of cooled off on him in terms of how much he can actually move the needle for this team. Uh, but I do think that this is really a, a confidence booster for Dwayne Bacon, and I feel like James Orrego James is using this opportunity to get him some early playing time to boost his confidence. But I will say, you know, this might be coming at the expense of of Cody Martin who received a DNP against Cleveland and played less than a minute against Dallas. You know, I think he brings clearly a little bit more offensively than Martin does, but sometimes just has a tendency to get too zoned in with his own personal game where Martin feels like he's more of a team player and he can kind of fit in wherever you need him. And uh, and you obviously Martin's going to bring it defensively night in and night out. So what are your thoughts on Bacon and maybe how that's going to affect Cody Martin and his playing time? And I, I will say that I, I've been somewhat impressed with Bacon, and just terms of how his confidence probably was shot when he had a really really slow start, and now coming in and playing twenty five plus minutes a
0: game, uh, and, and playing solid, I will say. Yeah, I mean Bacon has had some some I think good moments really in the last four games since he's been getting more consistent playing time. I mean you know in the last four he's pretty much gotten 20 minutes in every game. So, you know, it's clearly a Borrego trying to figure out this lineup still. Um, I mean, the idea of Dwayne Bacon, you know, and we saw it you know, at the end of last season being a uh, – the idea of him being a solid two-way player, you can see it by just watching him move around the court. You know, he, he's got a good frame at 6'5". You know, he's shown the ability to shoot the ball, though he hasn't really shown it um, this year. Um, but yeah, we, we've, we've seen some stretches. I, I just, Dwayne looks like a guy to me, his confidence, I think, and this happens with young players regularly. Um, his confidence is like the stock market, you know, it's, it's going to go up and down regularly. Um, but the Cleveland game, I think is the game you have to go to and say, this is really the idea of what he can do. He's, a, he can be a slasher, you know, when, when the Hornets really struggle to have a guy, um, that can get to the rim off the bounce, not get knocked off his spot, you know, and and if not make it, you know, get to the free throw line. I mean, Dwayne Bacon is the guy you look at on this team that can that can do that and also create some offense, um, you know, in spots. But you know, it just hasn't been consistent enough. And you know the again, the outside shot has not been going down. He's not been good from the mid range. Um, really, the only thing for him, you know in the in the short sample we've had this season because he hasn't played a lot again. Is just his ability to get to the rim um and, and create offense for Charlotte there. But, you know, he I think he's just one of these players. You know, he's he's gotta get reps, continue to get reps. His confidence has gotta continue to to go up, and that's only gonna go up by getting more playing time. But you also need this for Cody Martin, like right. to your point. And Cody Martin is a plug-and-play type of guy who Really, right now, is I mean, he's the best wing defender on this team. I don't think there's any question about that. Maybe the best defender on the whole team. Um, you know, we saw Brigo come in with Cody Martin in the second half last night to try to put a stop to this TJ Warren hurricane that nobody could do anything with, and uh, he wasn't successful at that. But it's it's a it's a uh, it's an issue uh, for the coaching staff right now. I mean, I, I'm sure it is. A tough decision to make. Of, are, are you, do you really want to invest these minutes into Cody Martin, who you just drafted, and you've got under contract and got his rights for two more years, you know, or do you want to continue to try to, you know, work Dwayne Bacon into the lineup? And Dwayne Bacon will be a restricted free agent here at the end of the season. So, I, you know, I think Dwayne will continue to get an opportunity, but I certainly think his leash. Um, as the losses probably start to pile up for Charlotte, is going to be a little shorter because, you know, the Hornets don't have to make Dwayne part of the future. Cody Martin certainly is you see that there's
1: a lot of wings on this Hornets team and Borrego's trying to fit each of them into the game. And the, really the only reason I felt like Cody Martin played last night because there was some shuffling with, you know, Marvin going down and Miles Bridges playing the four and, you know, the wings just shuffling around a little bit. But I feel like when everyone is healthy, it's, especially as of late, it seems like Bacon has been that guy prior to Cody Martin. And uh, even, even Batum, you, you know, you don't see him anymore playing. But I think if I had the option of playing – Cody Martin or Dwayne Bacon, even though the Dwayne Bacon adds a little bit more offensively, I I think exactly like you said, he's a restricted free agent this year. Cody Martin, I mean, not like tremendously younger, but he is younger. He's in his first year, and he has shown something that the Hornets don't have, and that's the ability to play defense out on the perimeter. While Bacon does have some kind of uh, upside there, Uh, he really
0: fully hasn't shown it on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. And, and and too, Richie, you have to consider, you know, Jalen McDaniels is, he's making some, some pretty serious steps forward, I think, uh, in Greensboro right now. And, um, he's going to be a part of if not, if not this season, you know, certainly next season. And so there's another guy you have to find minutes for on top of your first round draft pick, um, and on top of whoever the Hornets sign with their cast base this summer. So, you know, I I think we're certainly at at the point in time where we have to scratch our heads and wonder. You know, how much longer will Dwayne Bacon get this opportunity? The clock is ticking for him in Charlotte. um, And he he does. He does. I I know he has not gotten a lot of solid, meaningful NBA minutes outside of really those ones at the end of last season. But he's got to start proving something. And uh, at least Borrego is giving him an opportunity here recently. And like I said, I would expect that to continue for, you know, up until the All Star break at the very least. Right.
1: Uh, Let's transition to P.J. Washington. Uh, His percentages and his efficiency from the floor uh, really hasn't changed that much since he's come back from injury six games ago. But it just seems like I'm seeing a different type of P.J. Washington. Again, not necessarily in the difference in stats overall, but just feel like he's had a nice streak where he's played very well getting more aggressive when getting to the rim, uh, something that's needed out of a player that has surprised some people from behind the arc, and teams are starting to adjust accordingly. Uh, On the season, he's averaging 3.5 drives per game, but in the last six games, he's doubled that, almost doubled. He is getting six drives per game, which is the third highest on the team in that span behind Graham and Rozier. He won't win the Rookie of the Year with Ja Morant, probably wouldn't even finish runner-up. I think Tyler Hero or none might get that nod there, but he is such a solid player, and he has, at least in my eyes, I know that you were higher on him coming into this draft. He has surprised me and, and pleasantly surprised me more than I thought he would, and just the variety in, in his game in terms of playing out of the post, you know, playing the pick-and-pop game. He can handle the ball a little bit, drive the ball a little bit, passing out of the post, all these little things just add up to a very, very solid player uh, on the offensive side. And on the defensive side, uh, he's a very good team defender as well. So, you know, there's not much difference in stats, but I just feel like he's come back from his injury and he's played very, very well. And I know that you were higher on him uh, come draft draft season uh, and and you really did want P.J. Washington on this Hornets roster.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he's he still he's great this year. I mean, certainly better than I thought he would look. I, I just thought... Coming out of college again, I mean, I liked how much how many more threes he took at his last season at Kentucky. You know, I, I thought he had some under the radar explosiveness and some under the radar ball skills. You know, which we you know we have seen those this season. I think those have surprised a lot of people. Um, but he, you know, he's just he's the prototypical modern day NBA four, right? Like he he's a good shooter from out the outside. He can shoot him from above the break. He can shoot him from the corners. Um, you know, he can finish with dunks. He can take two dribbles, you know, and beat a closeout defender and get to the rim, you know, and finish with authority or, or get fouled. I mean, you know, he can go off one foot, he can go off two feet. I mean, he he just checks a whole lot of boxes. And then on the other side of the floor, you know, he's still learning uh, the speed of NBA offenses in terms of having to defend NBA offenses. You know, we've seen him miss rotations. Uh, we've seen him get overpowered by bigger players. We've seen him, you know, get beat by quicker um, you know guards when he switches, but for the most part, he can hold his own, right? Like here, PJ Washington, here's a guy that can probably guard a Kawhi Leonard. He can guard a, a Paul George, LeBron James, and you don't have to, you know, immediately send help his direction. You 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 can know that he's going to hold his own, uh, and and that this we're talking about that in his rookie season. So you got to imagine that three or four years down the road, we're going to be talking about a pretty pretty solid defender, not only at his position, but certainly probably going down and defending a position. And, uh, you know, going up and being able to guard fives when the Hornets want to go smaller, when he again, when he just gets caught on a switch. So um, he's a really, really solid overall basketball player from A to Z. I mean, he you can tell he was brought up the right way. He was taught the game the right way. Um, He didn't skip steps. Right. Like I, I just watched this guy and I watched him in college, and that's what I took away. He has not skipped steps in his development. Um, and, and not to divert in another direction here, but I just, it's an easy comparison or, or lack thereof, I guess, to make. But m- with Miles Bridges, Richie's, we've talked about this. To me, it's very clearly he has skipped steps in his development as a basketball player. His understanding of the game is it's just not there. You know, he, he can't keep up with the speed, um, not very skilled. Doesn't make great decisions with the ball on the offensive end, and 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 just he can't keep up with the speed of it defensively. So again, not not to you know you know throw throw poop in Miles' direction here, but just kind of comparing those two players: one very polished to be a rookie, the other in his second year. We're, we're maybe hoping to see that polished uh, player a season from now in, in his third year. So that's really what I liked about PJ in college, and that's what we've seen so far. Uh, in the NBA but look he, he has a ways to go on the defensive end uh, you know not to be too positive here you know <laughs> we, we've we've done that for PJ for a few months now but he's definitely got some development to go on the defensive end but I mean the Hornets nailed this pick I don't think there's any question about it he's going to be an NBA starter for a number of years
1: right it's a good comparison to make with him and Miles and obviously a lot of fans were wondering how they would coexist on the court which you know Miles has not played the best this season but I don't think the issue is him being paired with PJ Washington, but you make a good point of him being a polished player, but he's obviously someone that's a little more boring in the way that you watch him. And then you have miles bridges on the other hand, who, you know, he has to think through the game a little bit more. Uh, He's not sound defensively or offensively. There's things that still need to be cleaned up, but he's very athletic and he jumps off the page. When you watch him on the screen, Spencer, I didn't really have this in the notes here, but uh, you brought up Terry Rozier today on Twitter, and mm. just how he's turned out to be an asset for this team. So I'll let you lead this off here uh, before we get into the Twitter questions. But uh, what are your thoughts on Terry Rozier so far, and and the progress that he has made, and just the the hoopla surrounding his contract?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, if you will recall, you know, I I didn't I didn't think the Terry Rozier contract was a win for the horns by any stretch of the imagination but you know certainly the national narrative was wow this is awful and again i i didn't think it was great but i didn't think it was awful as it was being made out to be I mean, Terry Rozier is one of the the best catch and shoot. No, he is the best catch and shoot player in the NBA right now, uh, in terms of effective field goal percentage for how many attempts he's taking a game. I mean, if you're taking three catch and shoot attempts per game, nobody has a better effective field goal percentage than Terry Rozier in the entire NBA. But I mean, going back to to the contract this summer, there were really there were three reasons that I was just i just took the wait and see approach with how this thing was going to work out it was only a three-year deal okay it has and also it declines over those three years um i just thought he hit number two he had a potential to make a jump in a new role um you know this was a guy that yes the overall numbers the advanced analytics maybe frowned upon to an extent but here's a guy that almost was one of the more important offensive, really two-way players on a team that almost made the finals, okay, in Boston a few years ago. He, he was a very important piece uh, to that team. and We saw him make some really big shots in a conference uh, championship series. I mean, that's got to mean something at some point to me. So I thought, okay, here's a guy, take that guy, put him in a new role where he can be one of the the, the main guys on this roster, there's potential for him to take a jump here, okay? And then number three is this this contract, Richie was never really going to interfere with Charlotte's cap space moving forward. I mean, they're going to have $30 million this summer at a minimum mm-hmm. to spend and double that a, a summer later, in the summer of 2021. And that's not even, uh, you know, counting what trades they could make. I mean, if they could get off a Nicholas Batum contract, which is unlikely, but if they could, or if they were able to trade a, a Cody Zeller or a Bismack Bionbo at the at the trade deadline, that becomes even more. So it was just never going to affect really strategically what the Hornets could do with their cap space moving forward. So you know, with, for those three reasons, I said, you know what, let's just wait and see with Terry. And we went through the initial, oh, my God, this guy cannot play point guard. He's not a lead guard. Yeah, that was like we the first a, 10 games.
1: First 10 games there, yep.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was bad. And look, it also took Devontae Graham emerging onto the scene as quick as he did, becoming a lead point guard, allowing Terry to get off the ball. But Terry Rozier, along with all of us, I think noticed really quickly, man, the better position for me, the better opportunity for me, is this a second option with the ball in my hands, right? And he bought into that quickly and immediately saw returns. And, you know, I, I just think that that speaks a lot about him as a player. You know, I think he gets a bad rap sometimes as being maybe, I don't know if selfish is the right word, but, you know, score first. I'm looking for mine. But when you think about The ball was taken out of his hands, was put in Devontae Graham's hands. Immediately, Terry becomes a better player. And you're not going to do that without mentally making the decision, this is a better chance for me to be successful. right? And I think he deserves credit for that. So, But look, the numbers speak for themselves. It's not a huge sample size, but we're almost to the all-star break, and he's the best catch-and-shoot player in the league right now. So I think there's something to be said for that. And I think that he can become a tradable asset for Charlotte this time next year. I think we can start to have the conversation, you know, if the Hornets are about where they are with their overall record this year, if not a little worse, we'll see that the Hornets have have an asset they can move forward with and, and help to bring more into the war chest, to, you know, with this rebuild. So, look, well done for Kupchak. I mean, re- really, seriously. It it was the only thing he could have done <laughs> to make up for Kimma just leaving town. But this is why you take risk on young players when you're in a cycle of, a, you know, a cap clean cycle in a rebuild cycle. And so far, this is paying off.
1: Yeah, I think when I originally saw the deal, I was so hung up on his individual salary and the production that I thought he would get, I really didn't look at the team salary and factor that too much into my decision as to why I was probably lower on this sign and trade than you were. Uh, like you mentioned, the Hornets books just open up this summer and again, next summer as well. And so when you when you consider that factored into Ro, Rozier's salary, maybe he never lives up to that salary, which he probably won't. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not holding the Hornets back in what they want to do. And, and Spencer laid that out. And yes, since he switched over to the off guard shooting guard position uh, since Devontae Graham took over at the point guard, uh, you know, we have seen those catch-and-shoot numbers go up. He's a player that if you put the ball in his hands and he over-dribbles and he thinks too much, that's when things go south. But you get him off ball and you make that switch in your head, like you said, Spencer, and knowing that you're just going to catch, shoot, make quick decisions, you have seen how effective Rozier can be. And he's actually, especially recently, he's shooting the ball the better around the rim and better in the floater range recently. Yeah. And that's something that he's always struggled with. Uh, throughout his career
0: well, and two, like I, I would challenge people to think about it this way, too We don't have to just pray and hope that it becomes a tradable asset, but how about this? How about we have his bird rights after three years if he continues to develop as a player he's 25 years old He's still young if he continues to develop as a player and Devontae Graham continues to develop as a player that duo by the way has been really freaking good this season together um, well who's who's to say that can't be your, your backcourt of the future? And then you build around them and P.J. Washington and say we hit one more draft pick you know, with a big man. Like So now you have something cooking. I mean, he doesn't have to be traded. We could re-sign this guy at potentially a reasonable number with his bird rights and continue to build with him When would be his 28 year old season? So there's, there's options here for Charlotte and right now, as we sit here speaking, Richie, they're mostly positive. So we should, we should applaud Mitch Kupchak for that. That's true. Let's get into the
1: Twitter questions. Uh, we had a lot of responses, so we're not going to get to all of them. We'll probably have to do an episode one day, just strictly on these mailback questions. So I I tried to pick the best ones or ones that were similar and combine them. The first question. That we're going to get to is from at Patrick Connor 7, a friend of the show here. Would a Kevin Love trade make any sense for the Hornets? Now, clearly, Kevin Love is having some issues with uh, Coach Beeline over in Cleveland. Uh, it seems like he is wanting out. To me, the short answer to this question, Patrick Connor, is no. You know, I think he's a fine player, uh, but he's getting paid for three more seasons uh, after this one at about an average of 30 million per season. And I know we just got through talking about the fact that the Hornets books open up after this season, but I just don't want love to be that player taking up close to about 30% of our salary cap. Um and he's probably looking for a situation that is dissimilar to Cleveland, and I don't while we may be in a better position than Cleveland right now, I don't think it's all that different in terms of where we are in our stage. So for us, I don't think it makes any sense. And for him, while he might want to change his scenery, I'm not sure Charlotte would be all that much of a better spot for him. So do you see any sense of making a trade for Kevin Love? Uh,
0: I see a deal like this for Charlotte, making some sense, like with this, like, you know, consider this free agent class this summer. It's not a strong one. You know, I don't think the Hornets are going to be serious spenders this summer. So, would you treat a player a veteran player on a long-term deal like kevin love trading for him potentially if you're charlotte would you treat that kind of as free agency right now i agree with you richie i don't think kevin love is the right guy i mean i just don't think power forward is necessarily the right position When you you talk about Miles Bridges, you're not sure what you're going to do with him. Talk about P.J. Washington bursting on the scene, not really sure what you're going to do with him. We don't really know we have in Jalen McDaniels yet. We might have something there. There's another guy that kind of fits in that position. So just from a position standpoint, I don't think it makes a lot of sense. You mentioned the contract. Um, But again, I did want to point out, you know, with this free agent class, and even in, in the summer after this one coming, Charlotte's not going to be a suitor for the big-time names. No. So they should always have their ear close to the ground when it comes to players that become available, veterans that are all-stars now or were all-stars, that can move the needle, that they can are under contract um, for a number of years, that they can bring in and build around with this, these young players. I think that's the kind of trade that you, they could make. Maybe not this season, but potentially next.
1: And I think maybe... If they were in a better position to compete in the Eastern Conference, I think a deal like that would make sense. So, like, if they were a team, I don't know, like OKC, where they're they're young, they're kind of right there at that six, seven seed, and and they need someone to take them over the hump, I think it would make sense to make a trade for someone like Kevin Love. Uh, another trade question from at Hornets Beard Guy on Twitter, basically asking the same type of question: Andre Jumman, where would he fit into this young lineup, and and would it make sense to trade for him? And I, and I will say that maybe a trade for him might make a tiny more sense, uh, but, you know, not by much. I think uh, I'm not really a big fan of Drummond or bringing him into this team. Uh, he's got a player option this offseason uh, at $29 million. Uh, and if he turns that down, uh, obviously the Hornets would have made this trade for not or would have to make a, a competitive offer to bring him back long term. I think age-wise, like the question is insinuating, he's only 26 years old. So age-wise, he kind of fits right there in that time frame. But I I think he maybe, like Love, would prefer to go to a place that is in a better position to compete right now. Um, I know I have like a false hope of this, but like I want my center, our next center, and I know these aren't very abundant out there, but like a center like like a Bam out of Bio, someone that can run the floors very athletic very bouncy I uh, would love to have that guy <laughs> yeah can handle the ball out of the post make passes like he can do it all like that's the type of center that I want and I just don't clearly I don't see that in Drummond and uh, you know yeah. kind of like a kind of like a Cody Zeller but more athletic and uh, can do a little bit more with the ball in his hands so what are your thoughts I- on Andre Drummond
0: well, I, 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 Richie, I agree. I mean, I, I want nothing to do with Andre Drummond. I don't think he's a winning player. I just don't. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, not trying to be a hater here. His numbers are f- phenomenal, but I think these are a lot of empty calorie numbers this guy it puts up. I mean, I think he's a guy that gets a, a middling team to respectability, uh, gets him maybe into the playoffs over the hump. But I don't think he's a good player on a winning team. And also, why would you trade for him when you could just sign him this summer? I mean, you know, it sounds like he's opting out of his deal. Charlotte's going to have the cap space if they really want him. Don't give up assets now to get him. Just wait till this summer and then go sign him as a free agent. Um, Look, I don't think this is going to happen, not because I don't want him, Richie. I think the Hornets still wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares of Dwight Howard. And Andre Drummond is a player like that. He needs his post touches. Yeah, he can help you on the glass. Yeah, he can block some shots, but, like, I think the Hornets learned their lesson trying to put a guy like Dwight Howard next to Kimball Walker. Like, Oh my God, this d- this does not work. And now that you have a guy like uh, uh, Devonte Graham and Terry Rozier next to him that are really having some offensive success. Why would you throw a center that needs the ball all the time? in the middle of that to to muck up their development it doesn't make any sense to me which is exactly why it could happen but i i I don't (laughs) think so i'll give you i'll give you a name though to watch um stephen adams there's a player who's not under contract long term but i think oklahoma city we'll we'll see i mean they're in the playoffs if if the season ended today we'll see what they do he's got one year left next year uh at about 27 and a half million that's a lot but, you know, you could trade for him now uh, if you could get off biz and, you know, throw something OKC's way, have him for next season. And now you got his bird rights. And, you know, depending on how he looks in the system, uh, he, he's only 26 year old years old, believe it or not. You know, there's a guy maybe you could sign him long term to bring along with this young core. That's a trade that makes some sense to me. Um, and he doesn't need the ball, right? He's going to be a rim runner. He's going to set some good screens. He's going to block some shots. I, I, I like that as, as a more feasible trade for Charlotte. And I would keep an eye on that. I think that's a deal they might do. Yeah, not as bouncy
1: as uh, Bam Adebayo, but I, I do like him better as a player uh, than Drummond. But I, I, I'm i not sure OKC parts ways with him. Uh, they're right there in the thick of it with the uh, the post postseason there. Uh, but we shall see next question uh, i'm actually combining two people here for this question what's the plan for miles bridges moving forward and part two of this question is it the right time to trade him I'll, I'll first say i don't i don't like giving up on players after just one and a half seasons even if there are some signs of some kind of worry with this player you know i think you need to give a player three to four years to come into their own and i've definitely been hard and negative on Miles Bridges, but I I am not at the point where I'm like, okay, this is the right time to trade for him. You know, he's been put in a difficult situation this season, having to see the ball uh, a whole lot more. And maybe this just isn't the role for him. You know, the role for him is putting him next to a player uh, that can go get you 18, 20 points a night, and the attention is off of him. He played much, much better uh, with Kimball Walker last season in his rookie year. And you don't want to put the ball in his hands. And we're seeing some of these flaws with his ball handling, creating separation with the ball in his hands. And even obviously on the defensive side, he has that focus issue in processing things at a, at a slow speed. Um, but maybe a couple years down the road where he's moved to the fourth option on a team that has better talent around him, maybe he flourishes in that type of situation. So to me, he's too athletically gifted uh, to even think about trading him, in my opinion. But, Spencer, do you have other ideas? I know that we've always been hard on Miles Bridges, and some of the signs of making the jump from year one to year two just hasn't happened.
0: No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm not giving up on Miles Bridges. I think he's – it's well documented. I think he's got you know light years to go in his development and certainly understanding the game and the speed of it. But um, – I think the whole league is still trying to picture what his role is in this league. I think ultimately what probably Charlotte is hoping is that Miles Bridges, you know, they can keep him around, you know, they can get to the end, you know, keep him developing, certainly in the rest of this year, if not all of next year as well, should be really focused on him developing. And then get to the end of his rookie deal, seeing some positive signs, and then maybe he's like a maybe he becomes like a Marcus Morris, like super sub type of player, right? Because we've seen some ISO positives from miles, you know, when he can, especially when he can get a little bit of a smaller defender on him, Hornets have been posting him more this season. I think we've seen some success there. He gets ahead of steam and he gets to that spin move and he can see the rim. Forget it. I mean, he's at least getting to the foul line. So can they tap into that athletic potential, you know, and turn him into a, a super sub coming off the bench that can give you a little shot in the arm offensively. I think that might be his, maybe his destiny. His pie-in-the-sky idea as, a, as an NBA player is more of just an ISO type of guy who you can throw the ball to and go get a bucket. He's got a long ways to go to get there, right? I mean, it's just he's not comfortable enough with the ball in his hands. His his dribble is is uh, is not sharp at all. But, man, if he can get ahead of steam and get past that first defender and get a step towards the rim, he is – is oh, so hard to deal with. So let's clean up this, the, you know, the parts before that. Getting by the defender, getting into a triple threat. You know, uh, having that, that in and out dribble move, that crossover move to get him. You know, going towards the rim. I think there's something to be had there offensively for Miles on the other end of the floor. Oof, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I just don't know. I mean, I really don't. I, I don't know what you do with him right now. Um, he is. He's just so far behind the speed of the game. And the only thing you can do with that, Richie, is just keep trotting him out there and say, "This is what you're focusing on." Talk, talk on defense. I've right. said this before. Talk on defense, Miles. Move your feet, slide. Don't stand up. You know, he's just got to keep getting reps. Eventually, you're hoping that it that it sticks, but but no signs so far.
1: Yeah, I don't really have a conspiracy theory like you always have, but uh, I feel like Borrego wants to put him on a opposing player that sees the ball a little bit more often, like the first or second option, and put him on that wing that controls the ball a little bit more so you're not mm-hmm. having to see him off-ball. Uh, I know that on-ball, yeah. he's not great by any means, but off-ball, especially when he's down near the basket, clearly he's going to be giving up wide-open backdoor cuts, uh, and that's something yeah. that you just can't defend against. So that That's just it, kind of my conspiracy theory there.
0: Yeah, or when he has to chase, right? like Off-the-ball, making a rotation, he's not good at it, or when he has to chase a player, like McDermott last night, he got... He got stuck on him. I guess it was just you know, Hornets running back on defense. They get mismatched, uh, you know, matching up, and he gets stuck on McDermott. McDermott comes off a, <laughs> a pin down screen, and Zeller sees it happening before McDermott gets the ball and just sprints to McDermott because he can see how far behind Miles is, uh, you know, chasing him. And then uh, Turner just rolls wide open to the rim, and P.J. can't can't slide over in time. So, you know, it's just that kind of stuff. He's just responsible for so many defensive breakdowns, whether it be chasing somebody off the screen, guarding the basketball, making a rotation. So that's why I say, yeah, I just I just don't know where you put him right now. I agree with you, Richie, though. I, I think he's better suited to go against a stronger wing where he can just physically hold his own, right, instead of having to think through all this other action. All right, let's get to these last two
1: questions fairly quickly. I'll let you lead this one off uh, from Price Financial on Twitter. Is Marvin's mentoring more valuable than uh, a second-round pick or multiple second-round picks, or maybe even late first-round pick? Do we think that his mentoring somehow overshadows those picks?
0: I think that's a really good question. You know, and it's it's one that you, uh, myself, and BG have talked about on the podcast. I- I could go either way. I mean, I, I'm always probably going to part with, you know, get the assets um, for the guy. If you can, even if it's, even if it's a, it's a good second round pick or, or just a decent second round pick and another late one, like get something, just get another bite at the apple. But, you know, I mean, you, you're not going to find a better locker room guy in the league, uh, other than Marvin Williams. And the Hornets are one of the youngest rosters in terms of guys that actually play in the league. So, It's a great question. I could go either way. I'm going to have to say I don't really have an answer here. It's tough. It's tough. I think it
1: also depends on where the team is. Uh, You know, I think I'm going to keep going back to OKC, like a team that's maybe ready for some playoff experience, a team that is maybe better suited to play uh, some of their younger players mixed in with their veteran players and still be able to compete. uh, Kind of like Chris Paul is mentoring Schroeder and SGA with the Thunder. I think maybe if this team was a little bit farther along in their process and not as delayed, I think, yes, his mentoring is valuable uh, and spending time on the court and off the court with Miles and in PJ, I think. But right now, uh, with his contract expiring, as much as I love Marvin's role on this team, I think you can't pass up any kind of asset that you might get uh, with a trade. So last question here, Spencer at Austin Daisy 11. Favorite Hornets moment of all time. So I'm gonna start this one off just because I don't really have an answer. Like you didn't have an answer to the previous one. I'm not sure I can really pinpoint one moment. My favorite moment for the Hornets all time. I'm much more of a like a team success type of guy where you know I don't really care too much about the individual success. So like those late '90s teams, the early 2000s teams were my favorite moments as a fan. Um, I don't know if you remember the series against the Bucks where. It was very similar to the Heat a handful of years ago where they had one game five on the road. And then game six, they came back home and they had a chance to wrap up the series. Uh, This was the Milwaukee team that had Sam Cassell and Ray Allen. This was the closest the franchise has ever been to the Eastern Conference Finals. And I was in attendance uh, at the Coliseum for game six of the Eastern Conference Semifinals against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, They obviously ended up losing that game and game seven back in Milwaukee. But just the atmosphere that the Hornets Coliseum used to bring is something that I wish younger fans would get to experience in years to come. So I don't really have one moment that I can pinpoint, but just the team success that this Hornets team brought in the late 90s was something that uh, I will always look back on.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's – I mean, yeah, you can't beat those moments uh, at the Coliseum, right? I mean, I, I grew up going to games, too. Yeah, I'm only 31, so, like, I remember the series vaguely that you're talking about, Richie. It was It was probably certainly one of the biggest milestone moments for the franchise, but I don't have, like – real clear uh, memory of of, of moments, shots made, blocks made, defense, whatever, you know, from that series. The one that I can think of, and really I'm just going to go from like year 2000 moving forward, is probably the Courtney Lee shot uh, in Miami, knocking down the three. You know, Kimba takes the three, I think, coming off uh, a ball screen from Zeller. It's way short, and so it takes a long rebound bounce right to to Courtney Lee at the top of the key, and he knocks down a huge three, which is a dagger to win the game in Miami. Um, Charlotte had, that was game five. Charlotte was coming back to Charlotte um, to win game six. I, you know, up three, two, I just knew 48 win season going to beat Miami in the first round. This is really a turning moment for Kemba Walker, Yeah, you know, Al Jefferson, Nick Batum. It was Batum's first year, you know, guys is all coming together, right? Like we can see how this is going to be a good thing for like three or four years. And of course the Hornets lose the next two and really nothing has gone right. Other than Kemba Walker having ridiculous years, Um, since then, but that's the one moment where I really thought this team was about to take the next step.
1: Yeah, very similar moments. I I think uh, the only reason I remembered that game say because i was in attendance and spencer's acting like i'm older than him but we're both 31 years old so it's not that i have a better memory <laughs> I, I never I, said that I, never, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were alluding to it i'm only 31 <laughs> maybe you have a better you know a more long withstanding memory here but uh it was actually do you remember the year with like the hornets broke out like the headbands like that was a thing where like,
0: yeah yeah that, like the yeah the baron davis yeah. uh group oh yeah that was that was the year or
1: at least the years and uh i think they passed out headbands during that playoff game and all the fans uh look like little dorks wearing those headbands yeah but uh yeah that Aaron, that was Aaron the atmosphere
0: david wesley uh was bobby phil's on those teams i think he was right or was that it might have been after his passing uh, at, at that point maybe that was after bobby yeah, yeah so but
1: that that's the atmosphere I, I strive for uh obviously the product on the court has got to improve and and that could have been a turning point like you said the courtney lee shot and, and winning in game six at home and uh, obviously, it did not come to fruition there. Very similar moments there, you and I, in terms of winning Game 5 on the road and having the chance to win uh, Game 6 at home to, to wrap it up. Uh, here's a rundown of the next couple of games for the Hornets. The schedule gets a little hectic uh, before this game in Paris. I think is it Paris or I know it's France, but is it Paris? Do we know? I think it is Paris. I'm okay, ninety-nine percent sure it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just assumed it was Paris, but it, it very well could not be. But uh, the Hornets will play Toronto, and then they go on a four-game West Coast trip uh, with games against Utah on Friday, Phoenix on Sunday, Portland on Monday, and then to wrap it, uh, they play the Denver Nuggets in a week's time. So, thanks again uh, for tuning in to another Buzz Beat. As always, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. For Spencer, I am Richie. We will see you guys next time.
0: For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs